Hey, good morning. Welcome to another episode of the High Ground, powered by Premier Companies. Good morning, Sal. <laughs> good morning, Ryan. <laughs> good to see you. And uh, we're back. We want to thank all of our uh, subscribers and viewers and listeners and all those out there. Remind everyone to uh, like and subscribe if you uh, approve of the content. We appreciate you coming back. And uh, we have a special guest in with us, like we always say. <laughs> Super special this morning. With this our one, C. though, is really special. <laughs> right, exactly. He told us to say this. So, no. <laughs> no. Our CEO, Harold Cooper, is with us again for the third time in the podcast. Podcast room, and we've got an uh, important time of year, an exciting time of year for a co-op, and uh, so we're going to give him a little time to uh, to do some explaining to not only our members but also our uh, employees as well. So, Sal, yeah, our, our annual reports coming out, and uh, actually have the rough draft here on the on the uh, table with us. But Harold, I wondered, you know, we have so many um, new co-workers and and a lot of new customers, and just a lot of folks that may not understand exactly what a cooperative system is and then may not even uh may not be familiar with premier ag and and how we function as a co-op so i wonder if you could take this time to kind of tell our listeners and maybe some of our fellow employees what a cooperative system is and and what we look like in the market i'd appreciate the opportunity it is a fun time of year for me to really get a chance to talk about why we think co-op is a different choice in a marketplace and uh, the annual report, really, at least from my standpoint, what we'll cover today, a lot of that is covered within the annual report. So we'll be mailing out about 3,000 of these to over uh, to, to growers in southern Indiana. And it really is, gives us a chance to update our member owners on our company, what's going on. And in that, I really do want to start with well, your question is, what's a co-op? and Why is that a different choice in a market? And I had mentioned in prior, I think both prior two podcasts, actually, I'm the, I'm the historian at this point. I'm the oldest. I'm the <laughs> <We> oldest. <did. laughs> Tell us about 1926. Yeah, yeah ask, that, ask that guy. But I have mentioned, and I can tell I'm, I'm uh, humbled by the fact that we were the first co op in 1927. And to put a little more context to that, there are actually two efforts before that for co ops to get established. They both failed. And the reasons for those failures were. They were not for profit. That the first times co-ops were attempted in Indiana, they were just trying to do it on a break-even basis, at a pure cost basis, and everybody walks away and goes on. And they finally designed in 1927 around it was called Rochdale Weavers. It was a it was wool gatherers in United Kingdom in 1844 that established the first for-profit co-op. And the reason for bringing this up is they developed seven principles that I think still are foundational to us in the cooperative movement today. I will preface this by saying my, one of my favorite presidents, in fact, I think it's Ronald Reagan's favorite president, was Calvin Coolidge. And Calvin Coolidge was a man of few words, but when he did say something, it was always with great clarity. And there was a time when he got brought up into a discussion about the Constitution and was it uh, something that was original and you should keep it as it was originally intended, or was it an organic living thing and a document that could be modified and changed as desires in the society changed? Feels like feel like that comes up a lot today. Absolutely, yeah. it does. And what Calvin Coolidge said was, I'm not sure why we would ever debate this, because in my mind, when you say uh, we are all created equal, that is a final statement. There's nothing debatable there. Or we all say that we are given certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is a permanent statement. That is final. 
And he finally said that the, the, the governed give the consent to the government. And again, he said that was final. I would suggest as we think about co-op and is a co-op a different choice, a different enterprise, these seven concepts to me become foundational to even what we are today. And things like open membership was, was one of the seven. And that the fact that we invite any producer to be a part of this organization, to be a part of this, and to be a, an owner and a member and help drive it. The other part of it was to be a democracy, one member, one vote, that everyone had a voice and an equal voice and equal say in, in the organization and, and the success or the attempts of the organization. Uh, it was, there was also things about education that w- went on. It talked about owner economic participation. Uh, one thing we're going to be talking about in the annual report, and one reason for this time of year is that we want to talk about the company results financially this last year. And in that, part of what we do is we keep a portion of what's called patronage, which we're going to be talking about today, we hold it back to help fund operations. And that was foundational to our beginnings was that if we were going to have a cooperative, those that owned it need to have a financial stake in it. And so they really were concerned and they were aware of the goings-on, how are you treating my money, my investment, and am I getting return, something to value back for that investment? Uh, The other thing it talked about was cooperation among cooperatives. And we've talked in in prior podcasts, I'm a strong believer in a federated co-op. And the more we can have locally owned and a local voice that understands the situations and the things that are going on in a local community, and let that community have its own voice, its own means to address. I think that's important. And that's the definition, Harold, of a federated co-op? That is the definition of federated. And, and, and so what this principle says then is you still may want to cooperate with others. And we do have a lot of other cooperatives across the country. And through uh, investments we have like Atlanta Lakes or Country Mark or CHS, we aggregate interests. Farmers aggregate interest into us as premier. We'll aggregate our interests with other co-ops like us across the country into, into larger regionals called Land Lakes or Country Market Meeting Refining Business. But that was foundational to our founding principles. And the last thing that those seven things were was to, to provide back some of the economic success that we might be able to share. And so, like Calvin Coolidge... I think those are final. I think those are great foundational statements for us in 2023 that are just as valuable as they were in 1844 when they were created. So when you look at those as a background, you start saying, well, how do those get expressed in the enterprise of premier companies? And what does premier ag look like in all that is it gets to the annual report and an update for this year. And when you look at what we are today and what our board has, has distracted, uh, described, first off, we're, we're a co-op that mainly operates in southern Indiana. And the board has actually given us four directives to serve this marketplace. The first is to try to attempt to have a farmer choice in every market, every geography. Again, that becomes a final statement. That if, if, if the appeal is that we think that by a farmer having ownership and a voice is important, 
that becomes a driving principle for us, and it provides management the guidance uh, to address that. Another one that they bring up is to, to attempt and to ensure you have the size and scale to be profitable, to be competitive, and to be efficient. Again, we recently merged with White River Co-op. A few years ago, Jackson Jennings and Premier merged. So you've seen co-ops across our state continue to consolidate and merge. That seems counterintuitive to the notion of local ownership, local control. Now, the reality of that is, again, is we need to have the size and scale to be able to, to compete with any other choice that's available in the market, like a Nutrien or a Helena or someone else. And it requires co-ops to dilute and dissolve old boundaries that used to be called counties and aggregate interest for us being local means a shared value in the Ohio River system, a shared value in livestock, a shared value in liquid fuels and transportation uh, energy. So that becomes for us what's locally owned and locally controlled means. And the last one is, is to to try to look for those ways that we can vertically integrate. And again, a farmer in his investment with Premier has learned to extend his own needs, his own interests beyond his, his personal farm and aggregate that interest with other farmers and create that solution called Premier and those fertilizer plants, those feed mills, those fuel routes. And for us, then, we look for those ways we can aggregate our own interest then into things like a refinery in Countrymark or into uh, sow farms, uh, butter, in the case of Land O'Lakes. So those become, for Premier, those ways that we represent being a cooperative and that choice in this marketplace. And it's important, I think, in those that, again, I've said this before, but I don't think we'll ever have all the marketplace roughly around 45 minutes of a crops facility. We have 50 to 60% of the market share, but we'll never have it all, nor would we choose to have it all. But I think it is important. A farmer's voice is always there and it's always prompting and motivating a marketplace to first consider the farmer, the farmer's needs, and then align that with capability. And, and I, I think we do that well. And again, our, our financial results, when we talk about results, uh, comprise that. So, go ahead. So, I guess jumping into that a little bit, uh, holding to those principles and those guiding um, statements that have been made that are um, uh, non-movable, we're, we're going we're gonna to stick to those. How is Premier performing as a co-op? I mean, obviously, <clears throat> what, what, did our membership, what should our membership be expecting from us through the performance that uh, – that premier has has yeah. had well i think that's a great question and uh part of it is again because i i talked earlier about that we keep a portion we we when we have success we do something called patronage and so this last year I'll, this last year is a great example and i'll just go through this but i think we made roughly 18 million dollars as premier local earnings that was before regional patronage was roughly five million dollars but as a company, we made roughly $23 million total, 18 of that local based on our fertilizer sales, our fuel sales, propane sales, and things like that. Of that total, roughly $8.5 million of our earnings came from our farmer owners. Now, 
we make a difference in that. that of that, our board decided to, to give back and return to our farmer owners 75% of that. So we're, we're assigning right now, we're in a process this month through our annual meetings of giving back to our locally owned farmers uh, nearly $7 million of patronage based on their purchases from us this last year. That is a unique thing we do that no other supplier does. And of that, 70% will be cash. And so we'll be returning right now this year, and we'll be writing again about 3,000 checks, returning nearly $4.5 million in cash and distributing over $6.5 million of equity to our farmers. And that becomes very important. And that equity, that 30% we keep back, I, I mentioned that four and a half million of that is in cash. The part that we keep back helps continue and fund operations. That gets back to that one, set, one of those seven principles that there needs to be economic participation to be a co-op. That's what that is. They're asking farmers to make an investment with us. And it helps ensure that they stay engaged. Engagement, yeah. yeah. I mean, originally it was, the, it was needed capital. I mean, today... We have $150 million in net worth. We owe our farmers, this, this equity obligation we have on our balance sheet is $16 million. We don't require that equity to fund our operations any longer. But I love the notion that it keeps farmers engaged. It helps them see, understand, and challenge that this is their company, that this is theirs. And I need to be held accountable to it. Every year we'll look. In fact, we'll look again with a peer group across the country. But I think last year we had almost a 10% return. So if I keep a dollar of yours, I need to be able to prove to you the dollar I kept that I could have returned to you, I'll use it wisely. I'm, I'm building value with that. I'm at least building the economic return, if not a, a service return, like uh, through the, uh, the improvement of a plant or a facility. And I think we had a roughly a 10% return last year on our equity. We, we ranked the highest among the co-ops in our peer group for what we did with the dollars that we've held from our farmers to help finance operations. And so when you talk about all this, and, and to get to Ryan's question, there's really, again, this comes from a board director, but there becomes four ways when we have success, when we have profitability, there's four ranked priorities of what we do with those profits, with those proceeds. The first is a strong balance sheet. And I would contend there's roughly 10,000 co-ops in, in, in the country. I would contend there is, Premier has very few economic peers from a financial standpoint. We'd be one of the most financially successful co-ops in the entire country. Our refinery has helped make that statement, but the fact remains that we have an extremely strong balance sheet and we're instructed by our farmer owners, our board, to keep it protected. And we've done so for 90 plus years. The second thing we say is reinvest back to operations. And I would challenge that again, as farmers think about and they assess, what have you done with my money? Uh, how well have we maintain facility, rolling stock, paid employees. And I would suggest we have, again, we may have peers. There's no one that does it better. I would challenge anyone to say that there's someone that has better facilities or rolling stock or quality of employee in this marketplace than Premier. And the third place we'll spend and, and allocate proceeds or monies is towards new investments, new opportunities. 
Kentucky's been an example of that. Again, it fits the value of trying to give a farmer-owned choice in every market, every geography, aligned with the Ohio River. We think those farmers in Kentucky had those same interests, and we had the same capability to meet those interests just south of the river as we do north. You guys have directly been invested in, in ideas like the word tracks that helps farmers manage a dollar of their own input investment to maximize profitability and optimize yield. That's, that's an amazing concept that we spend a lot of money, make a lot of investment to help them do that. We turn that then into something that helps them align with consumers and consumers' interest or actually concerns. Are we treating our soils well? Are we treating the environment well? Are we overusing things, overextending from a convenience or production standpoint and hurting, being harmful to the environment? Well, True Terra helps us communicate with the, the food channel. No, we do this well. And you should feel good about what we do. And now you guys are also investing in things like robotics and trying to take that next evolution of technology that will help us, again, more selectively understand where a treatment is required to protect a crop or to enhance a crop and only apply on that spot with the correct chemistry at the correct time at the correct rate. I, I find those things remarkable. And when, after all those things are done, these are ranked. The fourth thing we'll look at is, is there something we can give back to our farmer owners? Can we give them a return of the success? And that's what I mentioned prior that again, we, this year we ended up with about eight and a half million dollars that we could prove to ourselves. This profit came from our farmer owners and we had enough success in other businesses that are non-member, we felt like we could keep give back 75% of this to our farmer owners. And we'll be returning over $6 million of cash into Southern Indiana communities this year. There's no one else that does yeah. that. And that's why this is just such a fun day to me that you think about, again, you go back to the founding and what originally was when farmers' primary interest is just to make sure that they have a fair choice in the marketplace. They have some influence on availability, on quality, on making sure that it's, it's there when they need it. That's why we were created. But now to participate and, and, and see returns back financial rewards for other levels of the channels. In our case, we're a supplier to the farmer, but yet we're still giving them back more than $6 million. It, it's, it's a fun day. Yeah, and it's a talk about making it local and shared interest, and it's it's just neat that whenever, uh, even with a strong balance sheet, I mean those things when we need a new pickup or a new sprayer, those things are they go to the board for approval, evaluated by management to make sure that it's a good investment with the money, and then it goes to the board for approval, and so you still got the local representation, the same shared interest and the same same values across the Ohio River this shared geography and we'll still have the local representation. Yeah. Well, and tell me any other supplier in our geography and I mentioned this in the past, but did yesterday I meet with 12 farmer owners, the board directors every month. I'm held to account every month. Am I keeping the interest of the farmer at the forefront of my thinking of this organization's actions and I think that's a positive enterprise. Uh, this month we'll be having an annual meeting. And where else would you find in a single room 
your customers and your owners together. That's only a cooperative. Yeah. And it's fun for me because I, I mean, this is boring. But what we're doing right now is I, I think it's past the vision of our founders, but it's absolutely what a cooperative should be doing. Meeting and understanding the needs of our farmers and returning success back at other, other levels of the channel. I think so often our farmers get frustrated that they feel like they're taking the risk, they're making the effort, they're making the investment, and someone else reaps that reward. Well, through their cooperative, we're able to share the success at other levels of the channel, in our case, the supplier. One thing that uh, that I think is pretty interesting that I'd like for you to hit on as we're talking in this context of how how Premier operates and what goes in front of the board and what we um, what we're talking about. We've mentioned things like sprayers and and pickups and and how much we would give back to farmers where that's generated, but especially and I know most cooperatives do, but especially here at Premier, the emphasis on community and the things that we also allocate additional funding to that maybe doesn't go back to necessarily our farmer owners or into our operations, but how much more money and, and, uh, uh, time and effort do we spend in our communities? Can you hit on some of the things we're doing yeah. there? And again, that's, it gets back one of the seven principles. I came up, we skipped over that one or not, but community is one of the seven founding principles of us. And we need to honor and live that value, that principle. And, uh, in our case, we really try to work more around community, rural communities, and rural youth are our areas of emphasis. Just yesterday, and uh, it, it was so pleasing to me, but we had we decided three or four years ago to start doing a reinvestment back in the local 4-H. We really see the value of 4-H being that early means to help family, to help community, get some exposure to what agriculture may look like to those that may never, ever experience it again in their lifetimes. And we see a strong opportunity to, to help 4-H succeed in whatever way possible. And a few years ago, we created, it was a $50,000 grant, but just, we asked, uh, that time it was 17 local chapters for ideas of ways they could reach out to new members or new ideas. And how can you capture something that you wouldn't have done in a normal course of a year as 4-H. And some of the ideas have been materialized out of that. Uh, Bloomington bought drones and are teaching kids how to fly drones and apply drone technology. Uh, we've done things on helping uh, kids learn how to groom livestock and, and care for livestock. And there's just numerous ideas they've had. In fact, they came in and presented, I think, 26 of the different grants last yesterday, the board doubled our exposure, our, our, our investment. We're now up to $100,000 right now that we're asking 4-H, get creative. Think of something that you want to do, and we want to help you do that. And, and again, I love that notion. We'll also help fire departments, Habitat for Humanity, but I hope we are viewed to be someone that we know and understand that we live and work here, and we want it to be we want to be seen as a part of making that community a place that we can all want to live and desire to live. Certainly makes it different whenever your owners and your, your employees and your customers, we all, I mean, a lot of times we're the same people, <laughs> yeah. but for sure we live in the same towns and the same communities. It is, it's a, it's a whole different feel for yeah, certain. So. Sure is. And the ownership does make it a different conversation. I mean, the, uh, the, the growers take pride 
in their company. They view it as, as their company and, um, they do. And it makes it, I can't imagine that type of engagement if there wasn't, you know, if it was a, an arm's length transaction with just a typical, uh, retail business. Yeah. I agree with you. Hmm. That's all I've got, right? Hey, thank you very much for the, uh, in-depth overview and, we hope to continue to have these discussions. Obviously, it's fun to celebrate a year like we just had, and, and we can, we hope for continued success. And we certainly uh, certainly want to make sure that we we understand how this thing works, how it's supposed to work. We bring new employees in all the time. It's no different than the the youth that you just talked about, whose exposure to agriculture might end with their 4-H mm-hmm. time. But uh, but we're also we're not hiring people who know what co-ops are. And uh, with that understanding, and so certainly this is this is good information to share, and and certainly we've all benefited from it. We feel like you've just explained to us that not not just us, but our farmer members and our, our entire communities. So uh, it's a good thing to be involved in. And thank you very much for your time, and thanks for sharing with us. Thank so, you guys. Thanks, Harold. Uh, that uh, it's another episode of the High Ground, uh, brought to you by Premier Companies. Make sure you like and subscribe, and uh, thank you, and have a good day. <laughs>